Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. This is going to be a fun next five weeks as we see more and more videos throughout the, throughout the decades. Um, kids, K through second, can go back to be with Miss Whitney for Kids Church. Um, shout out to everyone whose sports team won yesterday. It was just a great sports day. The Astros won. Kurt, I see you're repping your Tennessee volunteer shirt. The long-suffering Tennessee fan, Kurt, you've earned this day. Um, so like we said, we're in the start of our 50th anniversary celebration. If you haven't had a chance to go look in the commons by the big stairs going up to the Sunday school classrooms, we have a bunch of memorabilia on the walls. So like a bunch of pictures that have been shown, you get to see those short shorts from the 1970s that were all in style. And you know, seeing those pastors out with those uh, robes as they were doing the groundbreaking service, I mean... The, those robes are like wearing a hot blanket. And I can't imagine being outside in the Texas heat wearing one of those robes. So those are the real saints that went and did that before me. Um, so like we said, we're in our 50th celebration, our 50th anniversary of faithfulness to the Lord here at Kingwood Methodist Church. And as we're looking forward to the next 50 years, while also looking back and remembering 50 years of how God has been faithful to us, we're doing a sermon series called Seeds of Hope. Seeds of Hope. And one of the things that we're basing this on is the very first worship service that this church had. Uh, they wrote this in their bulletin. The seeds planted today will grow into an active arm of the church long after we have gone. The church will live on as a witness to the kingdom of God in this community. All we have to do is water the seeds in the years to come. So we remember that prophetic promise that, the, that our forefathers and foremothers made for us 50 years ago, and we're standing on their faithfulness and obedience. And so today we're going to be looking at this idea of God as a gardener, God as a gardener. Before we dive into that, though, I have a, I have a confession to make to y'all that I really like to garden. Um, I don't know if that's manly or not, but it's one of those things that I like to do. I specifically like uh, vegetable gardens. I'm not a big fan of flower gardens because it still has to serve some type of purpose. I can't just have nice smelling flowers. I need to have something that I can eat or cook with, something that I can do. And at UM Army uh, at June, I shared with the students about how I started to grow pepper plants this past year because Erica told me that I needed a hobby. And so I was growing pepper plants over the summer uh, to try to make different types of salsa. And what I really love about gardening is I, what I love is to grow plants from seeds, to start them and then see them grow into full plants. When I was in high school, I would do this all the time. It was one of my favorite things to do. In fact, before I felt called into the ministry, I wanted to become a biologist in part because I loved growing and gardening and handling plants so much. In fact, even today when I try to, uh, when I plant plants for our garden, it feels a little bit like cheating if I have to go to Lowe's and get the pre-bought plants. 
It's like I should have prepared better. I should have tried harder to grow this from a seed instead of trying to get this pre-grown plant. And so I really, really like to garden. And today, as we look at this idea of God as gardener, as we look at this idea of God giving us this desire to garden, this desire to work the land, this agricultural spirit within us, I think it's because it's a reflection of who he is as the gardener. As we look at the series Seeds of Hope, we need to look at first as God, primarily as a gardener. God is the one who is the gardener in our lives. Throughout scripture, you constantly see the Lord is using uh, agricultural and gardening metaphors and imagery. It starts in the very beginning in the book of Genesis when it says that when God created everything, when God creates all the world and all the universe and everything that there is, it says that then God created a garden in the east for Adam and Eve to dwell in. God creates this garden. It's designed with all these different plants so that Adam and Eve can thrive and live their life to the fullest within this garden. And like a gardener, it says that after the fall of Adam and Eve, that God is walking through the garden in the cool of the day like a gardener strolling in his creation. That God created for us a garden and God created us to help tend to this garden, to help work this garden, and that this garden would be for us. Throughout the Old Testament, also, you see God using these agricultural metaphors, these planting metaphors, sowing metaphors, metaphors of uprooting and pruning. And even when you look at the ministry and life of Jesus, he's constantly telling parables that are agricultural based. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the parable of the sower, or even the vine, which is what this uh, contemporary service is named after. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you cannot bear any fruit. Jesus is constantly using this garden agricultural metaphor and imagery to describe what God is like and what the kingdom kingdom of God is like. And at the very end, in the book of Revelation, it starts off with the Lord planting a garden for us, and it ends in Revelation, the very last chapter of the Bible, ends with the garden. It says this in Revelation 22, 1 through 2. And then the Lord showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now, there's this idea that the Lord who created a garden in the beginning and then we messed it up and ruined it, that the Lord restores what we have broken, that the Lord creates a garden again when he makes all things new. Throughout the pages of scripture, we see both the garden and the gardener, the space in which God creates and the creator who makes all things grow. So that brings us to today's reading, which is 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 through 9. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9, if you have your Bibles and you want to open them up. 
Hear the word of the Lord. After all, what is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, a bit of a context for this uh, passage in 1 Corinthians. Paul is addressing this division that is happening within the Corinthian church. There's this division of loyalty in the church in Corinth. Who are uh, the Corinthians going to follow? Are they going to be followers of Paul, who planted and founded the church? Or are they going to be followers of Apollos, who is most likely their current pastor, the one who is a really dynamic preacher, they're divided on who's the real leader of this church. And so Paul is speaking and writing into this division that's happening in the Corinthian church, and he kind of undercuts their whole argument really to the core. What is Paul, he writes? What is Apollos? These people that you claim to follow and uphold, these servants of God are merely just that, they're servants. Servants of the great gardener. Servants of the one who were obedient to the task that the gardener has given them. Paul is saying we are nothing but laborers in the field of God who are simply obedient to the task God has given us. If you're looking for someone to follow, Paul is basically saying don't look to me or Apollos, look to the Lord Jesus Christ who has made everything grow. All I did was plant, Paul says. All Apollos did was water. But it was the Lord who made everything grow. You know, if you've ever tried to grow something from seeds, uh, you'll know that it's really out of your control whether one seed germinates or another doesn't. It's really out of your control which of the seedlings grows into a plant and which one doesn't. But there's this truth that's hidden within how plants grow and live that ultimately it is God who is in control of what grows and what doesn't grow. And ultimately when we look at ourselves and we look at our own lives that God is the one who is responsible for the growth in our lives. One plants, one waters, Paul says, but who makes it grow? Who is it that really gardens our lives? The Lord, Jesus himself, the one who makes the seed grow, the one who makes the plants grow, the one who makes the plants fruit, that he is the one who makes things grow, so he is the one who is given all the glory. When we look back at the 50 years of obedience in this church, we look back at 50 years of people like Paul and Apollos who were faithful to the calling of God on their lives. We look back and we celebrate all that they've done, but we give glory to God who made all their labors fruitful. We give glory to God that he made it all grow. Reading again what they said on that Palm Sunday in 1972, 
The seeds planted today will grow into an active arm of the church. Long after we have gone, the church will live on as a witness to the kingdom of God in this community. All we have to do is water the seeds in the years to come. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. You hear that prophetic hope in the middle of that statement? All we have to do is water. There's that underlying trust that the Lord will make it all grow, that we are nothing but laborers in the field of God, that the Lord is the one who's doing all these wonderful and mighty things in our midst. The people of Corinth were looking at the world from a worldly perspective, and they were not looking at it from above, from a heavenly perspective. And the call of God as we look forward to the next 50 years of ministry that the Lord wants to do through us in this kingdom here in Kingwood. As we look forward, we need to not say, what do we need to do to maintain the garden that other people have built? We need to look to the Lord, to not look down, to look up and say, Lord, where are you calling me to sow? Where are you calling me to water? Lord, where are you calling me to prune? Because this field, this garden is yours, not ours. Problem that we often have is we like to think that we're the gardener rather than the Lord. We like to think that we're the gardener. We think maybe this church belongs to me. This ministry that I've started belongs to me. It's up to me to grow this church that I am the one who ultimately has the power to make the plants grow. And if you've tried to garden at all, you can do a little bit to help the plants grow, but ultimately, it's God who makes things grow, isn't it? After all, Paul says, what is Apollos? What is Paul? You could even insert your own name. What is Jeremy? If the answer to that question is Jeremy is the most important person in the world, the true gardener, the one who without him, everything would fall apart if he was not there? Or do you answer that question like Paul did? That in comparison to the Lord God Almighty, we are nothing but laborers in the field. That I may sow, I may water, but it is the Lord who makes everything grow. So while we are merely laborers in the field, the beauty and the hope of Jesus and what he does and how the Lord interacts with us, the beauty of God is that he is the gardener who invites us to tend to his own garden. I don't know if you know anyone who's sort of a a master gardener. My grandmother was one of those people. She had this massive, beautiful garden. It was almost like an oasis in the middle of Houston, Texas, in the middle of the city. She had this gorgeous backyard with all these different plant lives, all these different uh, variations. But what's interesting, if you've ever been with a master gardener, they can be kind of particular, can't they? Uh, This is my garden. These are my plants. 
don't touch them. Uh, don't water it. You're going to water it wrong. You're going to touch it wrong. Just be very careful. And they're very protective over their garden, aren't they? That's not so with the Lord, though. The Lord who invites us into the messiness, who invites us to plant with him, to water with him, to harvest with him. And the beauty of that is sometimes we water too much or we don't water enough. We sometimes plant in the wrong times, but the Lord is gracious and invites us to partner alongside with him in the ministry that he is doing in our midst. The magnificent and wonderful plan of redemption that God is doing in our world, this mighty work of God where he is redeeming all of creation to himself, this mighty mission of God, the Lord who is the great evangelist, the great missionary, the one who sends us out to partner alongside him, invites us to participate in the mission that he has for this world. And when we say yes and are obedient to him, we find that our lives get wrapped up in the story of God. Our lives get wrapped up in the redemption that he is doing. Our lives get, redempt, get redeemed in the middle of all this. That the Lord who redeems brokenness and sets prisoners free, who heals the brokenhearted, heals the sick, fixes broken relationships, desires to bring justice to the world. This is the work in ministry that Jesus himself desires for us to come alongside him, to participate in. He invites us to plow the field that is his with him. Verse nine, he says, you are the field. You are the building. You and your lives are the very places in which God wants to come and design beautiful gardens within. Oaks of righteousness for the Lord's splendor, as the prophet Isaiah says. Friends, when we look at our lives, when we look at our church, and we think that there is barrenness in it, we think that it's empty, do we stand there and lament over what was? Or do we see the empty spaces as areas where the great gardener can come in and plant a beautiful vineyard in our midst? In places of emptiness, do we have hope because we know the one who brings beauty out of chaos? We know the one who plants gardens in the east. We know the one who promises that one day he will come and make everything new. That you, friends, the field, the church of Jesus Christ, is the very potential in which the Spirit of God can come and mightily move in our midst, in the midst of your lives, in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of where it feels like all you have is seeds that are struggling to grow. Do you believe that Jesus is the one who can come and make everything grow and bloom anew? Y'all don't know this because you don't see my sermon notes. Um, but in the top right corner of every sermon I give, I write the word so for awakening in all capitals. Because my prayer for every sermon is that I'm sowing into the field that God has given me. And one day I truly hope and believe that because God is a God who makes everything grow, that one day a great harvest is going to come. A mighty movement of God will come because he is too good not to. 
Friends, my prayer is that as, as we sow seeds into the King, Kingwood area, as we sow seeds into the community around us that we trust and we know that our God is a God who says that our labor and our work is not in vain, that he can do mighty and wonderful things in our midst. I have another confession for you today. I'm a terrible gardener. I don't water plants when I should. I often leave them without water for days on end, which is not great down here in Texas where things get very hot. Um, I don't fertilize them. Uh, and when I do try to grow things from seeds, what I'll often do is I'll have them germinate in the bag and then I'll just forget about it. And then they become moldy little seedlings and I just throw them away. And then I have to go cheat and buy the pre-grown plants from Lowe's. Or what I'll do is I'll think now I want to grow this plant from seeds and it's like the middle of May. And if you try to grow anything from seeds, you know you have to start way back in winter before you even think about the garden. And it's like mid-May and I'm like, I'm going to grow this from a seed. And you look at the back of the packaging and it says, start February. It's like, this is not February. This is not going to work out. Or what I'll do is I'll, I'll plant a plant and it'll grow and it'll fruit and then I, I, won't, I won't harvest the fruit and I'll let it rot on the vine. I don't place the plant in the right amount of sunlight. I don't think through everything in the garden. In fact, as I was writing out all the ways in which I'm a terrible gardener, I was like, man, I'm really bad at this. Just atrocious at how bad of a gardener I really am. But the, the reality is, is that oftentimes when I try to be the gardener in my own life, I get very similar results. That I think I'm a lot better gardener than I really am. I'm terrible at tending to my own life. I mistime things. I don't prioritize the things that I should. I don't prune the areas of my life that need pruning. I let rot fester in my life. And I don't harvest when I should. I think we do that as well when we try to be the gardener in our own lives. We don't let the Lord be the one who gardens, the Lord, the one who is in control. We don't look to him and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? As we start this anniversary series, as we look back to 50 years of celebrating things like UM Army, the building of this building. We are worshiping in the original sanctuary that they worshiped in 50 years ago. As we remember 50 years of faithful laborers and we're gonna be looking forward to all the Lord wants to do in our midst and God desires to do in our future, we need to first of all remember to look above before we look ahead to look above to God, the great gardener in our lives, who is tending in our midst, who has tended in the past and who is tending now and will tend to his garden in the future because the Lord is a much better gardener than we ever will be. When we look to the field before us, when we look at the church ahead of us, do we look at it with despair or do we look at it with hope? Because if we have looked up to the Lord himself, it allows us to look forward and look ahead with hope because we see the one who is coming to make all things new. There's this really interesting moment at the end of John's gospel. 
Jesus is raised from the dead, and Jesus appears before Mary Magdalene. And there's this really interesting thing that the scripture says in John 20, 15. It says this, um, John 20, 15. Sir, you have, if you have carried him away, missed it. All right, there it is. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Scripture says that Mary mistook Jesus for the gardener. But did Mary mistake Jesus for the gardener? In a literal sense, yes, she did. But I think in a spiritual sense, Jesus is the gardener in the field in our lives. Jesus is the one who prunes, who sows, who waters, who is tending and makes things grow. My hope and prayer for this church going forward for the next 50 years is that we can step deeper into obedience to what Jesus has for our lives, to become laborers in the field of God, to plant, sow, water, harvest, where he calls us to do no more, no less. As Randy Clark says, Lord, I am coins in your pocket. Spend me any way you desire. Lord, come and spend us how you desire. Lord, come and build your kingdom here. Lord, let us today yield our lives to you. We are nothing but laborers in your field. Give over to him our plans, our dreams, our thoughts, our desires, and take on his plans, his dreams, his desires, his kingdom. Friends, where is God calling you to step into obedience today? What part of your life is the Lord asking you to surrender over to him? Where is the Lord saying, come and be a laborer in my field? Come and see all the splendor that the Lord desires to do in our midst. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. As we come to the communion table today, we remember what Jesus did, how Jesus has sown into our lives, how Jesus has made fruit grow in our lives. And it all started with his suffering and death and resurrection. We remember that on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it, said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat of it, do it in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink of it, do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, pour out your spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we can be for the world, the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Lord, come and sow awakening in our midst. Lord, come and water our hearts, water our souls. Lord, make things grow because you're too good to not do that. As we say the prayer that your son taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.